experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. This morning, a friend of mine in one of my track groups sent a picture to us. It was a little Christmas tree on a beach at sunset. What could get better than that, right? She also made sure to tell us that she took it at a responsible gathering for her triathlon training group. When I saw it, it was like an omen, a beacon of hope. It just confirmed my optimism for 2021. Now, we just have to get through the next 20 days until then. My take on the market is we've come too far too fast. The CNN Fear and Greed Index sitting around 89 right now. That's extreme greed. We need a break. Now, whether we pull back or we just spin our wheels for a while and consolidate our gains, that's yet to be determined. But if we do pull back, I'd add to my stock holdings. Even though some of next year's gains have probably been pulled forward uh, with this recent rally, I'm still optimistic for next year, which is really not that far away. I think it's going to be a good year for equity investors. You have easy monetary and loose fiscal policies that should really remain intact, thereby providing ample liquidity for the market. And as a result, the global economy should continue to gain traction. Got all that? I think this past August is when we hit the economic inflection point. It was the picture of a Christmas tree. That's when gold prices peaked and the 10-year treasury bond, the yield hit bottom. To me, that was saying that we were going to have a sustained economic recovery. Gold and treasury bonds are the things you buy when you think the world is falling apart. They were going the opposite direction. And I'll talk more about that during our yearly outlook in January. But I think the big news right now is the coronavirus vaccine. Pfizer started distributing it in the UK this week, and hopefully we aren't more than a couple of weeks away. Pfizer, I think, is likely to get approval this week, and Moderna's vaccine could get approval next week. Now, there's been a huge amount of investors' interest over the past several months in these names, the big pharmas, the biotechs, and of course, right? Makes sense. But just look at Novavax. It's a biotech company out there. It's up maybe a couple of thousand percent. That's crazy. This is a company that doesn't have any products on the market, although they do have a flu, uh, flu vaccine, uh, which could be ready for FDA approval. And they received about a billion and a half dollars in funding from the federal government. Still, they don't have any products on the market. And I'm not picking on Novavax. There are plenty of others out there that received attention too. But with so many possible solutions in the pipeline, I think some of these names may be overextended. If you've listened long enough, you know that I bought for myself and for clients three names in this area, Johnson & Johnson, Merck, and Regeneron. And you should assume that when I talk about something here on the podcast, you should assume that I bought it for myself and for clients. Now, none of them 
Johnson and Johnson, Merck or Regeneron. I didn't buy any of those because because I thought they were going to come up with a cure for the coronavirus or a treatment for the coronavirus. No, I just like owning a diversified basket of drug stocks. And that's because I'm not a doctor or a scientist and the drug companies are out of my area of competency. So to overcome that, I own what I think are the best of the best and I buy them at when I think I'm getting a great deal, but I don't own just one. And Johnson & Johnson, well, they, they're seen as a key player in the COVID, uh, COVID vaccine race. So is Regeneron and Merck. But I like what Johnson & Johnson is doing. The company started phase three trials in September, and they expect to file for emergency approval by early 2021, next year, another month. If, of course, the vaccine is safe and effective. So Pfizer and Moderna do have a big head start. But I think Johnson & Johnson's version is promising for a couple of reasons. First, the company is targeting a single dose regimen, unlike most of the other players out there, which require two doses. This should make it much easier to administer at the time of a pandemic, putting less stress on the healthcare infrastructure. Second, the distribution could also be relatively seamless as the vaccine that they're coming up with or developing is expected to remain stable for at least three months at refrigerator-like temperatures. Think about Pfizer and Moderna's version. They need these specialized freezers. And it's also likely to be relatively affordable. Per a deal with the U.S. government, Johnson & Johnson has priced its vaccine at about $10 a dose. And that's well below Pfizer's at $19 a dose. And Moderna's, I think, somewhere between $25 and $37 a dose. The bottom line is that a successful vaccine from Johnson & Johnson isn't going to move the needle, pun intended there, it's not going to move the needle for the company's earnings wise because they're going to provide it on a not-for-profit basis throughout the pandemic. It could be a positive longer term, but this isn't going to drive their earnings up. So Johnson & Johnson, they may not be the first to market, but it could be a better solution overall. And that could take the wind out of the sails of some of these other more speculative type companies. Johnson & Johnson is a core holding. So I'm willing to buy some for new accounts at really almost at any time. And that's because my anticipated holding period is so long. I want to own core holdings forever. And it probably isn't going to make much difference whether I pay a couple of dollars more or a couple of dollars less now over that holding period. With the other half, I'd be more pickier on price. Right now, the stock is trading at roughly $150. And the analysts are guessing that J&J is going to earn $9 this year. When I, when I say that, I mean 2021. They're going to earn $9 about. So it's trading hands at about 16 times 2021's earnings. And that's about average for them over the last 15 years. It's been as high as 23 and it's been as low as 12. So if I wanted to get real stingy, I'd probably look at buying it around $146. But I don't know if I want to be that stingy. Just because it's such a good company, 
It's a well-diversified business. You have to do your own research and decide. Another healthcare stock that I mentioned last week is Unum, symbol UNM. Unum isn't going to be this unbelievable earnings growth story over the last 10 years. I think their earnings have grown on average about 7.5% per year. I'm guessing that they're going to grow somewhat less than that going forward. Let's just call it 3%. Then you have the dividend on top of that, the dividend on top of the growth in earnings. The dividend is a big part of the story here. Right now, it's around 5%, and they have plenty of room to increase it if they want it because the current dividend is only about 25% of their net profits. Think about that for a second. Unum generates a tremendous amount of free cash flow. And most of the time, they generate more cash than they do reported earnings. So Unum is using that cash, that tremendous cash flow, to pay a healthy dividend. And they're also using it to buy back their own stock, although this year they've stopped buying it for obvious reasons. But over the last 10 years, they've been buying back, on average, about 5% of their stock each year. And I would expect them to start that up and do the same going forward. If they're growing at about 3% and they're buying back 5% of the outstanding shares, I think you could see their earnings growth go to about 8%. And add on top of that, the 5% dividend, right there, I can get to about a 12 or 13% total return. Again, this is all guesswork and anything can happen. But I don't think this is crazy talk. And from there, you might even see some expansion of the multiple. That's what people are willing to pay for a dollar of their earnings. I'm guessing Unum is going to generate earnings per share of about $5 this year. Based on that, the, the stock is currently trading at a PE ratio of just four times. Four times earnings. That's cheap by any standard. My guess is that this company should trade closer to six times earnings, which means the expansion of the PE multiple could add about 10% annually to returns over the next five years. Maybe the multiple expands, maybe it doesn't. But I think there's a lot of ways I might be able to make money here. If it pulls back to say under 21, 22 or so, I'd add more. Like I said last week, This isn't a company that I want to own forever. It just looks like a reasonably good business that's really inexpensive. I think UNM is very interesting. Okay, that's all we have time for today. I'll be back next week. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman. This has been Common Sense Investing. Listen to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talk about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and are not necessarily those of the XML Financial Group. I typically own and trade the securities I'm discussing, both personally and for my clients, but not all of them. 
Likewise, employees of XML and our affiliate broker-dealer may be trading and providing advice regarding the securities I mentioned to their clients as well. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, you should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I suggest you get someone who's qualified in those areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. I like to make projections and other forward-looking statements, which are just that, opinions, and are not actual results and are only valid as of the date of this recording. Things change constantly. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.